Welcome to Exit 425, substantial information and education that goes where you want. My name is Steve Ray. Today's episode was recorded on August 3rd prior to my recent vacation, the onset of an allergy cold and a round of COVID. Exit 425's guest is John Mutton, former mayor of Clarington and current owner and CEO of Municipal Solutions. The mission in this episode is to build some background and context for the October 24th municipal election. Our third election in a year, the one that each voter will vote for around six different officials, and the one that touches our lives more than any other. John, thanks very much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Glad to be here. Um, Tell us a little bit about your experience as mayor, a snapshot in time, brief history of John Mutton as mayor of Clarington. Okay, um, so I was elected in 97 to 2006. Back then there were three-year terms. After I left, they became four-year terms. So I was a, a regional councillor for three years, and then um, the um, Mayor Diane Hamry um, uh, retired, and then I ran against um, four other folks for uh, for the, uh, the position. Um, uh, when I got elected, one of my things was we didn't have enough uh, infrastructure, um, both hard infrastructure, roads, bridges, and recreational infrastructure for the communities. And uh, one of the first things that um, I wanted to do was build a new twin pad arena. Um, one of the things in Clarington, they said, we don't care where you build the twin pad arena, we just need another arena. So everyone was supportive. So we built it in uh, South Curtis. It was a um, it was something where we actually did something very unique, where we used the development charges. But it was one of the first times where we used development charges to not only we did we um, use the development charges to pay for the debenture, but for the interest on the debenture, which is the loan that you take for it. Um, Hanu Halmanen was developing South Curtis at that point in time. We would have had to be on private services. He knew we wanted to build an arena, and he came in and he says, listen, I would um, like to um, extend the services down there for your arena. I will pay for them if you allow us to have the zoning on the land down there. So that's how that came to fruition. But um, that was one of my things is uh, the using the development charge and the what I would call uh, inelastic demand for housing in Clarington and we have such full pockets back then to pay for the infrastructure growth and uh, and to actually keep taxes at a reasonable level so that was my uh, that was my time in office um, uh, also did a lot on the, in the nuclear sector and uh, we had obviously unprecedented growth that continues to today. I do remember that time and um, with young kids I was uh, involved with the local hockey association and uh, um, I remember them talking about how you approached different organizations to say hey what do you need what is it that we need to move forward and keep growing and keep being good in Clarington and and so one of those things that came out of that was the South Curtis Arena for us and we uh, we all were very happy about that. It's hard to believe that it's been um, 20 years since we've had a, an arena built. Very hard to believe. That is a long time. And the, as you mentioned, the growth that's happened between then and now, and uh, it's, it's just, it's really quite staggering. And, uh, and the growth that we're going to be experiencing in the near future is equally staggering. So. In campaigns and general criticism, some felt your work prior to being mayor did not suit someone who wanted to be mayor. 
Is there a pedigree one should have to run for office? If so, or if not, what do we look for? That's a really good question. So <clears throat> I didn't realize it at the time. I, I knew I was the youngest mayor that Clarington ever had, but <clears throat> I read that somebody said that I was the youngest mayor ever elected in Canada at a population over 20,000. And um, so I, um, I guess I, I went on Wikipedia the other night because I knew that we were going to have this, and this says I was the fifth youngest mayor. So um, one of the things that I did, um, I was in the, um, I, I actually worked for a living. Uh, I was going to uh, university at the same time. If I didn't get elected the first time, I was going to go to to law school. Um, but um, I had a young family, um, and I was a part of. Um, a couple of service clubs, and I volunteered with other service clubs, and I did that prior to, to being elected. And that's one of the things that's lacking today in today's candidates, because I remember on our council, um, Jim Shell um, was uh, on council, Charlie Trim was on council, two people that I had a lot of respect for, and um, those gentlemen, they were all very active in service clubs as well. So we all had put our time in on service clubs even prior to thinking about getting elected. You don't think about getting elected and then go join a service club per se because that's the wrong reason to do it. So everyone was already active and caring about their community. That's a pedigree that you need before you go into public office. Clarington and Durham are developing quickly, uh, though growth has been accelerating for years. What ideas that you might have seen in other communities on the edge of the GTA should Durham and Clarington embrace and reject? Well, this is a Durham's Durham's uh, going to be paved, and uh, we can see with the uh, the infrastructure investments that were brought out here with the uh, with the 407, uh, with the um, uh, when the goal finally comes here, you, you know that the mandate from provincial policy is higher density. It's going to happen in Durham region. Um, how they manage that growth is another th is another thing, and uh, to make sure that we have the, the jobs that are associated with it. Cost of land is uh, is out of control. Um, taxes are way too high in, um, in Durham region. Um, you know, it's funny, I had a friend of mine um, who, uh, who is, uh, let's just say he works with one of the most senior um, police-type organizations out of the USA. I can't say which. Uh, it's got three letters associated with it. And um, I took him for a ride a few weeks ago, and uh, he says, what is that building right there? And I said, well, that's the um, Durham East Police Station. I've never seen anything so, like, this looks like uh, headquarters for the FBI or... Uh, so... Our infrastructure, we really spend a lot of money on our infrastructure, and I think we replace a lot of infrastructure when it doesn't need replacing. And um, I, we have to take a long, hard look at what we're doing there and the infrastructure that we're putting in. Infrastructure for, uh, for housing growth seems to come in um, uh, after the pressures of uh, where you can't make a right, uh, left-hand turn in the community anymore, that type of thing. Um, you've seen us have to add uh, bridges after the fact, add roads after the fact because we've built out so much. So making sure that those roads and uh, bridges and um, recreational facilities are in ahead of time is really key. The biggest issue facing Durham Region right now, other than the cost of housing, which is we're facing everywhere, 
I think it's the um, I think it's the gangs and the gun crime that's uh, that's headed from Western Durham region this way. It's got to be stopped. Like you, you know, every time I um, I pick up the newspaper, you're reading about um, arson and handguns in um, in Oshawa, Ajax, Pickering. It's horrible. And more and more, we're hearing about shootings and murders. Uh, you know, the example in Ajax just the uh, a few days ago. So, um, yeah, won't disagree with you on that one. Uh, it's part of living on the edge, right? And living on the edge of the GTA is, is um, that's part of what, what comes with all that, uh, that population density and, and growth. Well, I think the type of housing as well. When you take a look at the stacked townhouses that they're building now, stacked townhouses, well, somebody says, well, they, they're, you, know, you have to pay eight hundred dollars or $900,000 to buy it. Well, someone buys a house, and then there, say there's three or four floors on there. They're renting each floor out. Maybe there's some bathroom sharing, so you're getting, um, you're not getting what you think you're getting there. You're getting ghettoization, and uh, that's exactly what's happening. And uh, uh, lower income people are are moving in there, or um, or or people that um, um, could be on the edge, so to speak and uh, you have drug issues and a lot of those new developments um, up and around um, Durham College and some of the other areas where you see some of that very, very high-density um, stacked townhouse development. Even on the old Donovan site, uh, it's, it, I've been going past there quite a lot this month and um, interesting, you know, nice-looking buildings, but uh, there's a lot of them on that site. So what feature of Clarington should Clarington exploit? Waterfront. We have 25 linear miles of waterfront. Um, when I was uh, mayor, I expropriated uh, about 41 properties on the Bowmanville waterfront. I ran in that election, told them that's what I was going to do, and I got 91%. I made no uh, bones about it that we're taking the waterfront back uh, for the for the public. And uh, I was hoping to take the waterfront back for the residents of Clarington and those folks that like to visit Clarington. Now I seem that across Durham region, because we do have some nice waterfront across Durham region, that quite often it's um, <clears throat> the, the residents of our communities are not able to enjoy. Um, that's one of the issues that I see in Oshawa, Pickering, Clarington, and Ajax uh, popping up <clears throat> about uh, checking license plates and so on. But I think, so Clarington has 25 linear miles. We have Darlington Pro Provincial Park, which is which is unbelievable. The, um, the development uh, on um, the, the re reclamation of uh, Bowmanville Waterfront has, has, has been great. Um, obviously, the um, Curtis Waterfront has... Um, is a is a real jewel. Um, I know we got the nuclear power plant there, but uh, it's a real jewel, and I think that that's probably the biggest thing that you can think of with uh, Clarington. We got the geographic size; we have 25 linear miles of of waterfront, and it's t now time to take advantage of that and to have the right type of growth. I am not, um, and I have not been a fan of the residential growth in the, near the waterfront in Bowmanville. I would have not supported that even when I was mayor when they came in. I said the secondary access, the infrastructure isn't in place. They don't even have a fire hall um, for down there. And um, knowing what um, uh, possible 401 closure could mean was, I don't think that was the right location. But we see in, uh, in Curtis, we see the, uh, the, the energy park um, and we see OPG's new office building locating there. 
We see on the other border um, the great work that's been done on the um, Second Marsh and the uh, in the GM office building. There's no reason why we couldn't have the best waterfront um, anywhere in the GTA here. Agreed. And uh, you know, I cycle as much as I can along the the uh, waterfront and. The fact that uh, we have very little waterfront to cycle along in, in Clarington, uh, certainly in the Curtis area, um, is disturbing. I found a couple down there once, you know, at uh, Energy Drive mm -hmm. and what I used to call Curtis Road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, they were lost. Where's the waterfront trail? I said, well, <laughs> actually, it's uh, sort of down there, but it's really up here. and uh, But it's nowhere near the waterfront, I said. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah. It, uh, it it's a jewel that we need to abolish. That's for sure. And one of my fears is that we do what uh, what happened in the early days of the Niagara Falls and Niagara River, uh, where the 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 edge of the river uh, just got sold off to uh, all kinds of industrial uses. And certainly we know what that brought on the U.S. side, um, but uh, there was some nasty stuff on the Canadian side as well. And and the biggest thing was people not gaining access to the river. Well, I know that um, um, on in front of Clarington Council, they've been, um, they've been um, throwing the ball around for a while on uh, the Curtis waterfront and doing an interim control bylaw, which, which means that you stop all growth along the waterfront while you create your plan over the course of a year and do your studies. And it's something that has to be passed. It's, uh, it's something that has to be done. And um, I don't know why they um, keep uh, fumbling it around, but, you know, like just do it, pass it, get your studies done, and let's get moving forward. You ran for the Durham Region Chair position after being mayor. Did you have concerns about the relationship between Clarington and Durham Region? I've always had concerns uh, with the relationship with Durham Region and all the area municipalities. Um, it, um, I think Durham Region should be more of a services board um, rather than another level of government. I think that, um, for instance, if uh, Clarington, Oshawa, or Uxbridge um, want to purchase a higher level of service from the region with respect to um, road maintenance or something that they should be allowed to and I think that could all be set through your through your local budget when the region was first set up Oshawa was the um, Oshawa basically subsidized the rest of the region and then in more recent years and decades um, you know places like Pickering with their growth and the nuclear power plant and Clarington with the nuclear power plant and the growth in Whitby and Ajax they've been um, helping set that scale, um, you know, back to normal. But I really do think that um, the region should be more of a services board and not a level of government, where we can, um, where mayors and councillors can uh, make the decision on the service level that they want for their community. Obviously, in Oshawa, there's a higher requirement for social assistance and social housing, so that purchase of service should be from Oshawa to the region on that level of service that they need, which is going to be totally different from Brock Township. Right. Yeah. So I think that would equalize things better, and I do think that um, they should be moving the, um, the position of a regional chair to be more of a speaker of the house 
and um, letting the elected uh, mayors and councillors uh, set the agenda for their communities within Durham Region. And this model has worked um, in other areas very well. And um, I think it's the next, um, the next um, part of evolving that uh, we need to embrace with, uh, within the region and let the municipalities set their own destiny. Is that something that can be sorted out at the regional level, or is that something that's going to require the provincial intervention? I, oh, I think it's going to require provincial intervention. There's, um, there's no way over uh, at the region, although I think that they would uh, do well and conform to it. There's no way um, that egos would ever allow that to happen. We try to tell councillors that we're going to, well, we want to cut their council numbers, right? <laughs> you know, that's... That's, that's not going to happen. We saw that happen once, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and the response to that yeah. one. But I think we got the premier that's willing to do it, though. I think he's, he's a guy that's, um, I think you're going to see some municipal reform coming. And in all fair, fairness, he's had tremendous experience at the municipal level. Oh, so sure he, he knows how municipal politics works, whether it's at the municipal or the regional level. So. I've been around politics and civics a great deal, and it seems people have a feeling that the closer someone gets to the top of the food chain in any particular level of government, the more likely they are to be unduly influenced by people who would benefit from favorable government decisions. And we hear this all the time. Uh, to be blunt, locally, mayors and developers. What protection is in place to assure people that this is not happening? Again, I hear this all the time. So-and-so is in the pocket of a developer, you know, and usually that involves the mayors of most of the municipalities of Southern Durham. So, well, I wrote a uh, a white paper um, on this for uh, University of Arizona at one point in time, actually, and um, uh, down there, there's um, in the U.S. in certain areas, there's no uh, campaign contribution limits. So. Um, I represented some uh, clients in uh, Philadelphia, and um, the uh, we would donate forty-five thousand dollars to every uh, councillor for their election that um, supported, um, you know, the um, supported the uh, the ideas that we had. Um, so, in, up here in Canada, the the Municipal Election Act really has it very hard for you to generate the kind of money for your election, which is once every four years. If if you can be bought for $1,200, um, oh, I'm sorry, like, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pathetic. It's the other type of municipal um, corruption that I would worry about in terms of um, developers having favorable knowledge of um, expansion of services where they're able to buy land and uh, and so on. And um, we've seen more recently in the federal conservative campaign um, types of um, election act uh, finance uh, issues, and um, they're going to be investigated. And I think it's going to come down hard right across Canada on uh, election issues once that's uh, further looked into. And obviously, um, the person who um, who's at the center of that is also running for mayor of uh, Brampton, right? Right, and uh, embroiled in lots of politics in Brampton. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, that's quite a scene up there. <laughs> With the growth of Clarington and a national realignment of riding boundaries taking place, affecting provincial and federal riding boundaries, 
uh, Durham riding could look very different. How would that benefit Clarington, and what changes do you foresee? Well, some people seem to think that if you have uh, three members in your riding that um, or your municipality that it's uh, of, uh, of, of benefit. I think um, we have David Piccini here. Um, we have Todd McCarthy. We're well represented here uh, provincially. Um, federally, we have uh, uh, Phil Lawrence and Aaron O'Toole, uh, well represented there. However, if you were to redraw the riding boundaries of what it's about 100, 110,000, and Clarington was, which is Clarington's in the position, if you were to um, take the uh, census plus the the, uh, the um, allocated uh, assessment growth per year, then Clarington could be a riding on its own. Now, it all depends if you get the right member or not. You know, you could, that's, that's always been the biggest thing. If you've got the right member, um, uh, there's some that are dynamos and there are some that are in cabinet. And um, so I would say that, I would say that uh, redrawing the riding boundaries could provide Clarington with more of a united voice with one member versus three members because they're, you know, um, Minister Pacini is obviously drawn to Port Hope and Coburg and a lot of those rural issues. He's the Minister of the Environment. And I see other ridings where they um, might have just a little slim part of a, of a municipality. And while they do their best to represent it, um, it's not it's not conducive to represent the entirety of a riding. And Clarington's unique in its own. It's an urban-rural mix. Yes. So you've got to have a pretty special person to do this. Unlike, uh, so we, well, Oshawa. So um, when you think about Oshawa, you've got, uh, in the Oshawa riding, you've got um, two members, you know, the one that represents um, Durham, um, Clarington, and Skugog, and also the one that represents uh, Oshawa as well. So... It's a it's a tough call. I would rather keep Clarington all in one riding, and have that one voice and that one member that represents the whole thing. And that's right, non-conflicted. Because change is coming, so it'll be interesting to yeah, see how yeah, that plays out. Damn sure. Is, um, yeah. I'd be curious to see how the vote changes when you split off the north part of of Durham riding from Clarington. You know, um, again, similar mix that it's some urban and rural, but mostly rural. You will see, uh, uh, the way I see it, and the rule of thumb is the more urbanized something is, the more left it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, City of Toronto, Hamilton, they're, they're left wing. You know, the, a lot of NDP or, um, or, um, or even um, left wing um, liberals. And then the more rural the area, the, um, generally the more conservative it is. So... Um, that's what you. That's what you're seeing in the in the division. It doesn't always hold. It all depends on the on the candidate and the member, right? And, exactly. And just uh, um, you know what they represent and how well they're known in the community already. So you are the president and owner of Municipal Solutions. So what does your company excel at doing? Well, we um, we do development services uh, for a lot uh, for a lot of um, large. Um, um, large developers, we uh, um, minister zoning orders. So I take um, property that hasn't been um, have, doesn't have the proper zoning, turn it into residential or commercial or industrial zoning. So we represent a lot of the large developers um, in Ontario. However, 
um, we have another vertical where we, um, we've been representing the building trades um, across Canada and the U.S. Um, for a couple of decades now. And very timely interviewing me today because my other company is called um, Slyers Line Industrial Park Development Inc. And we just put our press release out yesterday that um, so I'm the uh, owner of the, of the company. We just purchased um, 70 acres in Peterborough County along the 115 in Cavan Millbrook and um, from the, um, from the, the township of uh, Cavan Monaghan. And uh, we have seven 10 acre lots that we're developing there. We've got um, uh, an IBEW uh, electrical worker training center that's slated to go in there, 600,000 foot uh, square foot um, medicinal cannabis uh, company. Um, a plumbing supplier and a 3D construction company, and we've got lineups for the other three lots. So um, we're going to be providing well over a thousand jobs to uh, to that area. So that's our next big project. So we're looking for those types of developments. Uh, not necessarily. We do a lot in the residential end, um, generally for our clients. But uh, in the we've got a bit of a, a niche in the industrial area because we're able to bring in those folks who are looking for places to locate. Maybe like your Amazon or someone, and we would find the land. We would um, um, purchase the land, uh, zone the land and then um, bring those folks into that area. So a lot of economic development officers uh, call me, would you consider coming and locating to London or this area or this area? And um, because we've got a, a you know, a tried, tested and true product. So I really love what I'm doing and um, I'm glad that I had my, um, my um, politics 101 and uh, municipal government and, um, and uh, I'm glad that I still get to work with mayors and MPPs and MPs, um, but that's something I'll never go back to. <laughs> well, John, I really appreciate the time you give me today. It's been uh, nice to visit with you in, in your beautiful home. With the, If you've heard uh, rustling around, it's been three cats that have been <laughs> having a great time while we've been chatting. And... Um, but after all these years of seeing you in local media and uh, watching you as mayor and, uh, you know, working as, uh, at attempting to become the regional chair at one point, uh, it's great to finally meet you and, and have a, this conversation. I appreciate your time. Uh, you have to know that the, the um, logo for Municipal Solutions is all about thinking outside the box. And... Uh, drawing things a little differently than what you would expect and uh i think john that's the way you operate and yes, uh, it actually is and yeah. so i really appreciate uh you sharing this time hopefully we can talk um on a regular basis Anytime you and uh, um just try to engage people a little bit mm -hmm. more about what's going on in their community and uh, we do have an election coming up so i'm sure we'll talk about that absolutely all right sounds good to me thanks very much yeah, appreciate thanks it. steve really appreciate it Thank you for listening to this episode of Exit 425. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you use. Our mission is to provide substantial information and education that goes where you want. Exit 425 is a production of Studio 38 Audio, copyright 2022. My name is Steve Ray. If you have any questions or would like more information about Exit 425, join our Exit 425 Facebook group 
or email me at exit425401 at gmail.com.